Welcome to Flip Table Theology, a weekly conversation centered around flipping tables of oppression, injustice, privilege, division, and religion as acts of faith and worship. We are so excited you guys are joining us at this table. Grab a cup of coffee or a cup of tea and let's dive in. Everybody, welcome back to Flip Table Theology. 2024 is here, so Happy New Year. We had a planning retreat right before Christmas with all of us and um, had a chance to plan out all of our conversations and topics for this new year, as well as four Flip Table Live events um, for this coming year that we are so excited about. So we encourage you to mark your calendars. Um, we are going to be hosting our first Flip Table Live coming up really quickly. Um, it will be the 26th of January here in Springfield, Missouri. Um, we'll be at National Avenue Christian Church and we will be talking about white nationalism. And so Christian nationalism and its roots in white evangelicalism and a lot of those kind of different intersections. So our friends at National Avenue have been doing a deep study series on that topic um, in January. They're starting that. And so um, Flip Table Live is going to kind of be a part of what they're doing. So we're super excited about that. What are you guys thinking, feeling? I've got Rue and Holly around the table with me today. I'm very excited. Um, I feel like this new year has got a lot of really cool conversations coming up um, and a lot of different voices that are going to be able to speak into those conversations. Um, and it's going to be just nice and fun. I also always like whenever I get to see faces. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. I, I enjoy the intimacy of these conversations among us as friends because we often joke when we start podcasts, like a lot of times we're talking, it's like, oh, we should have started recording already because we just have such a natural relationship but there's something very energizing to be in a space where that conversation extends into um other people who then can participate in that Mm -hmm. i mean even if even in that moment as active listeners there's a lot of beautiful beautiful conversations that happen before and after and just non-verbally through facial expressions Mm -hmm. and so it's fun to make a personal connection um Mm -hmm. with people that are resonating a lot with these topics and with kind of our perspective on things so yeah Absolutely. Yeah. Flip Table Live is a lot of fun. And so um, if you're in the Springfield area, come out um, on January 26th. We will also be in St. Louis doing a Flip Table Live in April. We'll be in Kansas City in June. And then our goal is to leave the state of Missouri for the month of September. Um, And so we've got a couple of different locations that we're still looking at. So you'll hear more about those upcoming dates and locations and topics um, on the podcast as we get a little bit closer to those. But for now, January 26th, we'll be at National Avenue doing Christian nationalism. So come and hang out with us. Um, as I said, I've got Holly and Rue with me today. Sharita's out in town. Phil was unable to join us today, so we've got a smaller group. Um, well, we unpackage a topic that I know steps on my toes. Um, I think it steps on Rue's toes. I'm pretty sure it steps on Holly's toes. So when we talk about you know us deconstructing and processing, sometimes that's in real time. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's us having to deal with things that we're still really wrestling with and struggling with. So... Mm-hmm. The new year brings a lot of conversation about goal setting Mm -hmm. and a lot of conversation about resolutions, which has us thinking a lot about the toxic achievement culture Mm -hmm. that is American Christianity and evangelicalism and what that looks like when a lot of times our worth is measured not by who we are, Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. but what we contribute and what we do and how mm-hmm. that intersects with grind culture and burnout culture and capitalism and all the things. Mm-hmm. So Thanks. with that being said, let's dive into a conversation about achievement. Mm-hmm. So what were your thoughts when we set that topic? I think one of you made an audible ugh sound, if I remember <laughs> correctly. Oh, gosh. Um, I feel like it's one of those things that I'm not just wrestling with around the new year, but, like, consistently um, when it comes to, like, you know, the feeling of value based on what you do. Um, I also thought about how that was such a big thing, specifically around the new year in church cultures, um, when it came to, like, that um, prosperity gospel kind of um, culture, where it was, like, you have to... Um, you know, you're going to pick a word for the year and yeah. that's going to be our, our theme mm-hmm. that you're going to focus on. And we're going to make a six month plan or retreat about it. Yeah. And, um, and if you didn't have anything or you weren't sure what you wanted, whatever your goal to be that year, it was like a, well, your faith is not as strong. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I resonate with that so much, Rue, because I was one of those people. Like, I was bought in 100% to that kind of planning, air quotes, around that, um, where, you know, it was, I'm going to fast for a period of time, and I'm going to pray about what my word should be, and all of these things. And and then, like, that word was supposed to kind of, like, guide and shape your decisions, your interactions for the year. But, like, when I look back on that time for myself right now, I think about how much that was, like, Christy dominated, mm. right? Like mm-hmm. me choosing the word I felt comfortable with mm-hmm. or me using whatever word that was or whatever mm-hmm. mindset that was, whatever standard that was for that year as like my standard for yes and no's mm-hmm. um, didn't leave a lot of room for the Holy Spirit because it was like, mm-hmm. oh no, this is my focus for this year. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of convicting to me to think back about like opportunities that I may have missed <laughs> because I was so focused yeah. on these specific words yeah. um, that needed to be kind of upheld mm-hmm. in my value system for that year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think there's also that, I don't know, I think of how when we focus on the doing of a thing um, or the goals or the agendas or whatever, you really can miss the heart of what actually needs to be transformed. Yeah. Um, and that relational piece of like, I almost am using this as a distractive distracting mechanism of like I can now feel good about myself um, because I've like reached something um, instead of looking at how I have had to like change internally and transform mm-hmm. internally and, and getting to more of the core things yeah. um, I can use it as this like bypass uh-huh. mm-hmm. yeah I think it plays into Chuck West Christianity mm-hmm. you know that idea of like read my bible today check tithe check you know, go to worship service somewhere, check, you know, mm-hmm. here's my word for the year, check, um, you know, here's how I'm leaning into that, mm-hmm. check. Um, and so that idea that we put God into a box that we've talked about on this podcast so many times, and like when we make it about us and what, you know, what we want things to look like, it just doesn't leave a lot of room for us mm-hmm. to be responsive, not just to, you know, what we feel holiness is calling us to or leading us to but it also doesn't leave us very adaptable to the needs of our neighbors Mm -hmm. and like when we start to see a justice issue emerge in front of us Mm -hmm. I feel like there's a lot of that checklist Christianity kind of mindset of like oh 
well, I'm not called to that. That, that doesn't go into my word for the year kind of thing. When in reality, we're all called to those things. And I feel like flexibility gets lost mm-hmm. and like responsiveness to the spirit gets mm-hmm. lost. I feel like it also denies our self-flexibility to recognize that as like growing, becoming people, we like we can't box ourselves into something too, especially in a time frame that was man created. Like mm-hmm. while the earth rotates on a consistent, you know, the seasonal axis every year, and that's why we have our calendar year, is that's the that's the time the the revolving around the sun that the earth does and you have the different equinoxes and the different solstices in which the earth is at its different tilts and stuff like that so like there is nature to that but there's also this timeline that like we have like boxed ourselves into and like our our word or whatever our focus may change in less than a year or it may change you know we may have multiple years yeah I think for me I have moved into this year with like embracing this very natural cycle of like more seasonal living and while there's a very there's a very strong tension in me of like how to seasonally live in the modern world and how to seasonally live as a social justice advocate when so many people like that's a privilege to be able to rest more in the winter that's a privilege to be able to um, have you know different seasons of of achievement or of goals or whatever Um, but really like if you look at what the seasons look like, winter is the worst time to start something new. Winter is the worst time to like redirect energy into something. It should actually be a time when we are focusing more on rest, when we're focusing more like during winter solstice and in that season of wintering, our bodies actually need more sleep and like our energy is lower. We're getting less. Yes, we're we're getting a lot less of the vitamin D and the, the sunlight exposure, and so like our bodies are just naturally in a place of like lower energy and lower movement and needing more downtime and things like that. And so, I struggle a little bit with watching people want to be like, I'm gonna dive in and do this when it's like you're literally not listening to where your body's at. And so for me, you know, like going into a new year, I think that there's something really beautiful about a reset. I, I wish resetting focus was more awareness around like the, the vernal equinox, the, squeen, the spring season or the start of summer when it's like the longer days and stuff like that. But I think resets can be really beautiful. Um, but I, I would almost like challenge and, and something that I think really breaks my heart in the church is it's such a denial of like human existence and it's such a denial of ourselves to box ourselves in. And, mm-hmm. I also tried to buy into the like year, the word of a year, um, and I think I've always really struggled with because I'm like this just doesn't resonate with me. It so, just doesn't. Yeah, and I wanna I wanna kind of speak into that a little bit, Holly, because I do think we've got two very different perspectives represented mm-hmm. um, around the table today. I kind of feel like there's two kinds of people in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, there's task people and there's people people. Mm-hmm. You know, like people who maybe are more relationally focused mm-hmm. and people that are more task focused. Mm-hmm. I think if we got really into it, you could probably say there's three kinds of people because there's probably like an information focused, research, data, that kind of yeah. person too. But anyway, um, I feel like you're a people people. Mm-hmm. Like you're a people person, Holly. And I'm a task person mm-hmm. a lot of times. Which you, I feel like I... I feel like I shift between task and people, but when it comes to like worth, especially, um, it's like what I can do. What you can check mm-hmm. out. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's interesting because I think 
there's a lot of people that feel called to ministry who feel called to ministry because they're people people, mm -hmm. because they have a relational heart, but they come into these very capitalistic structures that end up being very achievement driven, very business model oriented, very much like, you know, how can we grow? How can we maximize these things? And you have this kind of mindset where people who just have a heart to connect with people sometimes I think really struggle in ministry mm -hmm. trying to keep up with that productive mm -hmm. expectation of like churning things out and uh, Trisha Hersey uh, wrote a book called Breast is Resistance that I'm just like mm -hmm. loving 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 um, I highly recommend that you grab it on audible and listen to it because yeah. it's just like this beautiful thing being spoken over you mm -hmm. um, but one of the things she talks about is grind culture mm -hmm. and how um, the American lifestyle is just mm. a form of grind culture and how grind culture comes from the combination of white supremacy and capitalism. Mm. And I think we see grind culture and the effect of grind culture a lot in the church mm -hmm. and in ministry. So Holly, talk a little bit about, do you ever feel like there was an element of maybe even like imposter syndrome for yourself? Of oh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. I mean, I remember, and I, and I think I, I, I have always felt like a black sheep that was like, I like I felt like I had to change who I naturally was mm -hmm. to fit into church culture. Mm -hmm. um, and it felt very much not like what was being preached about, which I don't, that's a whole other conversation, but it was like sacrificial living and denying yourself. Like this was something different than even that. It was yeah. like, this wasn't the pieces of myself that I wrestled with as like, you know, wanting to spend money or whatever mm -hmm. it is, the things that are marked as sin in church culture. Like, this was a denial of who I was innately as a human being. Mm -hmm. And and so I was, like, trying to box myself in to stay on top of it and to fit in and to, like, and, it, and that not necessarily even in a negative way, just, like, in relationship with people that I loved who were, yeah. like, this is how I you know, mark out my year. And I felt like, well, I'm going to fake it because I don't have a word that mm -hmm. resonates with me. Like, I, I, you know, I, I get up and I pray and it's, I can't focus. So I get up and run instead. And, and I think in that, like I learned to make some of my own ways with mm -hmm. it. Um, but I also found myself like, I, I love and appreciate and respect people that want to add a numerical goal to like reading books a year. Like if that's what, you know, really motivates you to do something for yourself. Amazing. But I'm also one of those that when the pressure starts to kick mm -hmm. in, it just like it becomes something that's really damaging to mm -hmm. my core to mm -hmm. be like, oh, you're not on track with even this thing that you set for yourself that was supposed to be healthy and good for you. Yeah. Sometimes you're in a season where you just don't want to read a book and that's okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that imposter system, that imposter syndrome, mm -hmm. is something that I lived in for so long, and the freedom for that me for that has really mm -hmm. been in me just like going out into the woods and literally mm -hmm. sitting in the sunshine and being like, this is when I feel most me or mm -hmm. when I'm gathered around people and just loving people and loving being with people. And, and that, that absence of achievement, that absence of things that are always doing and, and focusing more on presence for me is where I've like found a lot of healing in that yeah. for myself. Um, yes. No, I just, I, I think that's so beautiful and so important to be reminded of because mm -hmm. I mean, I think if we're honest, so many of us, myself absolutely included, um, we have not made time and space mm -hmm. for 
like just mindfulness mm -hmm. and like connecting mm -hmm. with the world and caring yep. for our bodies and like self-care and so like everything is very much kind of framed mm -hmm. in toxic mm -hmm. achievement christian culture mm -hmm. as like you know you're doing these things though for a good reason mm -hmm. right like your unhealthy lifestyle is sanctified because you're doing it for jesus or because you're doing it in ministry mm -hmm. and so you know i think there's this almost double standard mm -hmm. that I think you really represent and bring out mm -hmm. and I've watched you because you and I have led together for mm -hmm. a decade now mm -hmm. and we really are kind of yin and yang you know we're on mm -hmm. the complete opposite ends of the spectrum I'm the one with the color-coded goal sheet <laughs> and the number of like it's ridiculous and I think I've over the last 10 years and really over the last three years probably mm -hmm. started to find even my own healing from mm -hmm. some of that mm -hmm. um, because I would I would write these crazy goals mm. and then like that's how I defined my worth. It's mm. like, oh mm. man, if I got to the end of the year and only four of the fifteen were checked off, mm -hmm. you know, I felt like a complete failure, but not realizing, mm. oh my gosh, but those four let me celebrate what was accomplished yeah. in that. It was just kind of this you're never good enough mindset, mm -hmm. which I think also gets reinforced in mm -hmm. toxic evangelicalism. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, you know, we hear a lot of people saying that one of the things that's wrong with the church yeah. is that it's become so business-driven mm -hmm. and so task-oriented, mm -hmm. so productive, so production-oriented mm -hmm. that it doesn't even feel like a holy space anymore, which is kind of what I hear you mean, Holly, mm -hmm. of like, we've lost the ability to just connect mm -hmm. with wonder and beauty and mm -hmm. awe because we're so busy trying to do things in the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm. yeah. The start of the new year is like a time when people spend an enormous amount of money yeah. on brand new planners, you know, pretty layouts for setting goals and things like that, like mm -hmm. gym memberships, all of these different things that are catered towards those goal mm -hmm. setting. And I think there's almost like a joke in our culture, but I think it, it's inside of church culture too because we're there's, those two are so interwoven mm -hmm. of like, January you see this heightened level of focus on that and it's kind of almost a joke of like how long will that last like mm -hmm. are you still going to be at the gym every day in February and March like are you going to make it through week two of January is it going to be like there's a lot of kind of that almost anticipation that that's going to die off at some point which is just kind of like then why aren't we paying attention to that in yeah, ourselves yeah. and stop doing that but the capitalistic side of things like you know for me I, I do minimal setting at the beginning of the year just because it is such a part of our culture. And it's mm -hmm. things like instead of like, it should be the opposite of capitalism. Yeah. It should be like, I don't want to spend money on things that are actually going to like, yeah. you know, cause more harm to the planet or things that are not necessary and yeah. things that, um, you know, I don't know some of those pieces of it. And so I think that piece is really burdening me right now. Yeah. Like how many planners are just going to sit yeah. in drawers for the rest of the year but how much of that is marketed towards you're a better person if right you which do also this. goes back to what we've talked about here many times of like there's this underlying focus of the me versus the we in toxic achievement christian culture because mm -hmm. it's like i'm going to set goals for me mm -hmm. focus on making me a better person mm -hmm. on achieving more for me mm -hmm. you know what i can do what i can control mm -hmm. but even myself like very rarely do we set goals for the we like right. collective goals of like how to improve the community, mm -hmm. how to be engaged, how to do those mm -hmm. kind of things. Mm -hmm. And so like there's mm -hmm. there's some of that piece of like just the inward focus mm -hmm. that productivity culture really has, grind culture really has versus focusing outward and looking mm -hmm. 
for the needs, you know, how you talk about January. I mean, my goodness, you think about like, it's probably one of the hardest months of the year, especially if you talk about seasonal living, Mm -hmm. you know, we see increased rates of depression. We see more instances, a lot of times of self-harm coming out of the holidays. Mm -hmm. I read a study once that said a lot of people really think many of those instances increase in December. And it's actually like it's after that, it's in January. Like it's once I get through the holidays and these narratives have kind of run through my mind. And so, um, you know, we've got unsheltered friends that, you know, are struggling in the coldest time of the year. We've got volunteers that are burnt out and like need reinforcements and nobody wants to step up. And so like you have all of these we focus mm-hmm. needs in January, but January becomes a very me focused mm-hmm. month. And I think that's yeah. part of the tension that we experience in a lot of our like community-based justice mm-hmm. needs too. Yeah. I think one of the things that I hear um, when you talk about recentering Holly too is like how that me focus isn't even getting at the core of how you can sit internally with yourself yeah. mm-hmm. and like it doesn't breed internal deep knowledge. Yeah. It It is this like this 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 whole external checklist piece that I get to distract myself from what I actually need yeah. um, mm-hmm. because I get praised for it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's something that I like am, am naming for like past me but also present me where it's like I it was I, I got like a kick of dopamine from having this like I can mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I can say these things. I can it it leans into this unhealthy side of me, mm-hmm. um, and and but it's not viewed as unhealthy in those spaces. No. It's celebrated. It's celebrated. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't look at how each person is and what they need and what you as an individual needs. Um, it it doesn't name the fact that like maybe you're overproducing as a sign of yeah. unhealth and that you need to take a step back. Mm-hmm. and really evaluate instead of looking at like you know the fact that mm-hmm. the recentering piece yeah. um and that's why I think I like I love to hear you say Holly because that I feel like that recentering is what the like core of yeah what I think you know a, a season of reset should be not this goal thing and I mean ooh. so I mean I speak as someone who if I'm being really honest I, for years, have been the chronic add things to my to-do list after I did them just so that I can check mm-hmm. them off. <laughs> like, and I think about that, and I'm like, um, but I do it, and I do it constantly, and that's, yeah. I, like, I'm doing it less these days yeah. because these are pieces of myself I'm really wrestling with. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think, for me, I've been in full-time ministry for almost 12 years now mm-hmm. um, in different capacities, and... I would hear people say all the time, like, oh my gosh, it's amazing how much you can get done. For a force of nature, I got called that a lot, especially during like COVID um, by people. Or, you know, like, wow, it's just so impressive, blah, 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 blah. And it was like always this thing that I was praised for and celebrated for, which like fed the problem, right? Mm-hmm. So then it became this standard of like, whoa, people people expect this from me. Mm-hmm. They expect mm-hmm. me to produce. They expect me to jump in and solve the mm-hmm. problem. They expect yeah. me mm-hmm. to accomplish all of these things. Mm-hmm. And it's only been 
in the last year or so that like I've really had to wrestle with what mm-hmm. the cost of that has been. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of those pieces of toxic achievement mm-hmm. that we don't talk about is mm-hmm. so I, I read a book once or a statement, I don't know where it came from. I'm pretty confident it came from Craig Gershell though, so this tells you it was in my highly evangelical <laughs> days. Um, but the statement has stayed with me, and I think that there's validity to the statement despite its evangelical origins. Um, but I, I heard Craig say once, don't sacrifice your family on the altar of ministry. And I think family could be like a fill in the blank, right? Like don't sacrifice your marriage on the altar of ministry. Don't sacrifice your mental health on the altar of ministry. Mm-hmm. Don't sacrifice your physical health on the altar of ministry. Mm-hmm. And that one convicts me personally right now. Like mm-hmm. I'm having to deal with the physical mm-hmm. impact mm-hmm. of putting ministry before and putting mm-hmm. ministry and productivity in the name of Jesus before taking mm-hmm. care of myself for mm-hmm. far too long to the point that like there's issues now and like mm-hmm. there's gonna be long-term issues because of that now. Yeah. And we don't talk about that and like what that burnout looks like, that I think sometimes burnout is really an awakening of realizing how messed Mm -hmm. up our priorities were and what it cost Mm -hmm. us when we look back. Yeah, Yeah. we're literally teaching people that their value is in what they do and not who they are as a human. And it enforces this to a point that I think it it becomes our inner voices, our inner dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know for me, like one of my things that I have really tried to just be more intentional about, and that's been throughout, I think, the last couple of seasons, and that it's something that I'm really trying to um, be intentional about moving forward, is like celebrating not what people do, mm-hmm. but celebrating like, I'm so, I, I'm just inspired by you, or I want to validate and acknowledge that like, I've seen you more, be more intentional with your rest this year. And, like, that's that's amazing. That's beautiful. I celebrate that. Or, you know, I I, I have a really good friend who she's um, shifting an entire program she runs around the fact that she's expecting a baby in the summer. And she's going to take an indefinite period of time to give herself that space that she and, and her child are going to deserve. And just, like, being able to text her and be like, I'm so proud of you for giving yourself that space and that focus and that redirection even when some of the pushback has been but I need a timeline I need a date that this is going to return and it's like no I'm proud of you for recognizing that doesn't deserve a starting point like that you have that space so I think celebrating rest celebrating people's becoming and growth like I've seen you become more yourself this year or celebrating relationship like I've loved spending more time with you this year it has meant a lot to me that I've gotten to know you better and getting to walk through life and I think if we celebrated those things, I think that there would be a shift in people's yeah. goals of like, I want to focus more on yeah. rest, on my mental health, on people that are important to me. And I think following celebra- celebratory big achievements, because those are still going to happen, like graduating from college or high school or you know getting to a really beautiful point in your career or whatever it is that you've hit yeah. that goal. I feel like it should be less, what are you going to do now? But, like, yeah. now you're really deserving of some rest. Like, now let's let's find a way to, to walk alongside you that enters you into a period of, like, 
you know, you don't have to keep going and going and going. Like, you've worked really hard up until this point, so I celebrate, like, what are you doing for yourself instead of, like, what's next? What's your next goal? What are you going to put next on your to-do list? That kind of stuff, I think, changes. And I feel like that mindset is so criticized Mm -hmm. in the American church because it's labeled as selfish. Yeah. And I think it's made to feel, like, a lot of shame and guilt around it. And I think one of the things that I'm really coming to recognize in myself as I'm trying to, like, peel back the layers of mm-hmm. just all of the buildup of toxic achievement culture in myself, and, and I mean, I know I'm the poster child of it, um, is just how much I would often mislabel that voice in my head that is like my inner critic that I live with as an Enneagram one of like, you could be doing more, you could be doing better, you should do that again because it wasn't perfect enough. You know, Mm -hmm. those kind of voices for a long, long time, I think I thought those voices were like that, that mindset was more of like God's condemnation of Mm -hmm. me saying, Oh, Christy, that's not good enough. I expect better. I expect more. Don't stop. And starting to recognize, holy cow, like nothing in scripture, Mm. nothing in scripture affirms that divinity would ever whisper to me, Mm. you're not good enough. Mm. That's not enough. I need you to do more and produce more. Um, And I think when we look at at holy texts, we see divinity whispering things like, come and rest Mm. or um, sit with me, listen, like Mm -hmm. it's often a message of slowing down. Mm -hmm. And so just that idea of like the spiritual manipulation Mm -hmm. that happens around grind culture and productivity. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've had people say to me, Oh, I, you know, I have a project for you that I just felt like God really laid on my Mm -hmm. heart to give to you to do. And I'm just like, old me, would have been like, oh, well, then I guess, you know, I need to figure out how to work on that. Like, yeah. and now it's like, I don't know that that's mine to do. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. wrestling with the guilt of that is still a hard thing. Like, there's still yeah. a piece of that that I have to, like, recognize and go, nope, that was learned mm-hmm. behavior that was put on me. Mm-hmm. Because the church maximizes itself on volunteer labor yeah. mm-hmm. that they want to do more and more and more and more and more. Mm-hmm. One of the things I think of... Um, that kind of, while, while we're talking about what it means to like have a year of taking care of yourself, how the motivational piece and, and I I can even see, and I see it in myself too. So it's like, how can I make a list of self-care items? (laughs) 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 And I could, I could, you know, 30 minutes of bubble bath and then I'll go on a run. <laughs> oh, so convicting. Going for a run after your thirty minutes of bubble bath? No, that okay. would be four, but I've already checked off the run. <laughs> oh, so um, and and how I can like how I can turn even that self care mental health piece into another thing mm-hmm. yes, to check that. off. Oh, <laughs> and, and like we're like jumping out, but oh. I want to like. I want to get at the the system piece of that yes. and what burnout the the core of burnout isn't you're not doing enough self care yes. the core of burnout is you've created a system that is not working whether that's an individual system or a group of people yeah. it's not working mm-hmm. and that's the product of burnout not 
whether you've checked off enough trainings for yourself, have you learned about your mental health, and all those things are important, but it can't be truly transformative until you've gotten to the core mm-hmm. of how that system needs to function. Oh, so convicting. I'm like bursting over here. Like, you're yeah. Yeah. Another, there's even another thing, but I just, I'm grieving so much for our culture and I grieve it for myself because it took me so long to get to this point. Like the core of what self-care should be is listening to our body. Mm. And yet we like systemize everything that we do. We put time limits on it. We put mm-hmm. goals for like, mileage that we're running or whatever that is and it's so achievement based and the reality is then you're putting yourself in a place of like I'm caring for myself but in caring for myself I'm pushing I'm pushing I'm pushing I'm limiting I'm whatever and like I think one of the biggest things that is harming humans is time like we put time limits on everything and the reality is I think if you ask any person, even my six-year-old told me this recently, like, there's not enough time in the day. Mm. And, like, that completely removes us from this connection of, like, Mm -hmm. we have day and night for a reason. Like, trees need nighttime. Animals need nighttime. We as people need nighttime to rest, to take care of ourselves. Like, and, and in the winter, that's longer. And we should give ourselves more of that. And, like, so for me, I... And I've even recently been, like, recognized how toxic that is for me. So, like, one of my things I did for the new year, one of the very few things I did was, like, I took off my running app on my phone. And so Mm -hmm. if I feel led to run right now, which I've also embraced, I don't like to run in January. I don't love to go for runs in February unless we have one of those freakishly warm spring days where, like, I'm like, ooh, is it spring yet? Like, this energy's bursting inside of me. I'm going to go on a trail run with, like you know, the winter birds and enjoy that, that season, like, yes, own it, celebrate it. But like, who cares if I run two miles or three miles or five miles? If I only run for however long of time, like celebrate that, enjoy that. And so I think some of those things for me have been this really big space of like, I want to move more. I want to be connected with my body more where I recognize healing comes through movement So I'm going to do some yoga. I'm going to run. I'm going to push myself to recognize that, like, I need that in my day, but I'm not going to push myself to a point of dictating what that needs to look like because on every given day that may look differently every given week. As as a female cycles, like, of our body, I'm going to listen to my body. And when we listen, we actually experience the care for ourselves and the compassion for ourselves. And I would challenge that when we have care and compassion for ourselves in the way that we listen to our body and feed our body and nourish our body and move our body, that makes us more sensitive and aware to be compassionate and caring in that way towards other people. And that challenge, that changes the way that we interact with the world. Mm-hmm. <sighs> <laughs> I know I'm so, I'm so convicted by so many things, and I think these are the moments where I have to, like, wrestle with, as you said earlier, Rue, like, present me and past me mm-hmm. and future me, um, and, like, man, past me just bought in mm-hmm. to all of this so, so much, and, like, I think, honestly, like, achievement is an addiction, Um, you talk about like the dopamine feel that you feel Mm -hmm. like, you know, like knowing like, oh, I got all these things done on my list today. Yes. You know, score. Um, I used to use this app that like, if you cleared your to-do list, it like gave you this like little congratulations, good job thing. And like, if I didn't get that, like, oh, I felt like I'd let myself down kind of peace and I could never celebrate what I did do Mm -hmm. during the day. And so, um, I also think 
that one of the things I'm having to come and wrestle with is how much focusing on toxic productivity and toxic achievement inherently force me to devalue myself and force me to devalue even other people. So I'm going to be super, super honest. And this is not something I am proud of at all. But it is something that I recognize um, is very much a derivative of the mindset of bride culture in the church. Um, You know, I'm a task person, but I do love people and I love relationships. But I also recognize that that's not necessarily my greatest, like, normal strength. And that's where I think Holly and I have always led really well together. Um, She focuses really fantastically on the relational side. I tend to focus really, really well on the systems and program side of things. Um, But there was a year, a few years ago, like when we started TCG kind of towards the beginning, before COVID and before all of the outreach pieces of the Connecting Grounds really kind of exploded. And so very much like trying to figure out pastoral care and like loving on people. I vividly remember the beginning of a year um, where one of my goals was to connect with 10 people a day. Mm-hmm. I remember this. You remember this? <laughs> you guys, like, I had a planner that had 10 circles. And literally, not only that, you had everybody in your world marked down. So, like, bad. I'm so embarrassed <laughs> by this now. I did. Go ahead. You can tell it. <laughs> You had people marked down to like these are I need to connect with these people every day like That's my so children bad. my my like partner, I need to connect with these people once a week I need to connect with these people once a month I need to connect with these people once a quarter like it was broke it was it was so bad it was very beautifully organized I mean kudos <laughs> to like the level of time and energy you put into the system that was very organized but so boxed in it was so boxed in and I think about it and like. At the beginning, you know, it was kind of like these, it was more organic. I'm like, oh, yeah, I talked to these people, blah, blah, blah. But I can remember getting to a point in the year where, like, literally, I would just text people. And it was like, so if you're one of those people I texted in that season, I'm so sorry. Um, You deserved better, and I am learning to do better. But, um, like, I would text people, and sometimes I would just say, checking on you, and, like, I would send it to 10 people and I would like be like, Oh, that person was once a month market off. And I was checking people off of boxes, like this like mechanism. And I was exhausted in that. And it it was, it was not good. And it, I realize now a, how much that devalued me and like robbing myself from the chance to like really lean into relationships and friendships. Um, but how much I devalued people in mm-hmm. that season and how much of the pressure that I felt um, mm. to try to figure out like how to make sure I'm doing all the things for all the people and mm-hmm. oh man. I want to s- name something um, because it was like I think a system that some of our people in the mental health field um, who listen to this will resonate with. Um, and I think that very mindset that like you've operated in, Christy, like there's a whole organization oh, yeah. built around yeah, case management. Case management. And yeah. when I was uh, I was a caseworker for a little bit and it was like 
you had you had to see five people yeah. and you had to see 25 people a week and um, you needed to spend at least 15 minutes with them and you had to make sure that you were able to write at least three bullet points about yeah. what you did with that person um, instead of sitting with them and hearing what they needed yeah. um, and hearing how how you could help them as a person yeah. and not as client caseworker yeah um, and not being able to trust your own boundaries in that. Yeah. And I think that was, um, that's one of the things I've had to learn a lot this year is I think we create these systems as safety mechanisms for like, you know, mm-hmm. make sure that mm-hmm. you've got a system for boundaries, a system for, yeah. um, you know, that goals are being reached, not just by you, but other people. And like the amount of perceived control Mm-hmm. I had over that person's life yeah. um, of like and that I would attach my own worth to it if they're not reaching that goal then I'm not reaching my yeah. goal and then mm-hmm. I'm a failure mm-hmm. and it just breeds this like resentment um, and frustration and, and guilt and yeah. shame mm-hmm. um, and I am like wanting to go back and apologize yes. to all my old clients yeah. <laughs> that I used to work with because like I I would make them projects and that's not okay mm-hmm. um, well and I, and I think that's not just social work and mental health care like I think you see that in the healthcare field like our you have to see so many so people. many people a day yeah. to, to where it completely limits personal interaction mm-hmm. and it limits emotion and it's literally just like what's wrong here's the solution here's follow-up mm-hmm. we're done like there is not and to the point like I know for myself like when I have had to go in like I go in with a list because I'm so afraid I'm not being able to communicate everything that I need to share mm-hmm. especially when it comes to the mental health world of mm-hmm. like yeah. I'm already coming in vulnerable and if you just come in and walk out like it's going to mm-hmm. completely dehumanize and decenter me when I'm coming for help I also think just like and this is maybe me speaking more as an Enneagram too um, but I believe that this is probably resonates with anybody that's in a caring field that has that restriction of like here's the expectation it breeds resentment to the people you yeah. are taking care of because so often you're teaching them an expectation of how you will interact with them yeah. and I see this a lot working with families and the system like there's this there is when you're in crisis this place of like I can't get a hold of them I can't talk to them enough they're not giving me enough time and energy and then on the reverse end of it it's like but I'm giving you 15 minutes every week like here's what and it's this like I can't do enough Mm -hmm. but I'm boxed in and just the Mm -hmm. level of like toxicity that's breeding Mm -hmm. and and I know even for myself when I've experienced providers in some form or fashion when we were foster parents and our, our caseworker would come over and give us more time I felt so listened to and so heard, and I now look back and realize how much that may have disrupted her day, mm. how much that may have reflected poorly mm-hmm. on her work ethic, and that that is a burden for me, just yeah. like, that that's normal, like, yeah. that ex- extension of extra time is not normal, nor is it celebrated in those yeah. Mm-hmm. systems and I think Holly that exactly um was one of the things that was like a turning point for me you know I remember during the early days of COVID and like our sidewalk outreach of just like literally trying to like save lives mm-hmm. for people and when we were in like those early first couple months of, of COVID on commercial street for the connecting crowds and like you know everything else had shut down and 
we decided to to stay and to move everything outside and to like feed a nightly dinner and do a pop-up medical clinic and like check on people and to rent porta potties and like the productivity of that space was like I have to do all of these things to make sure we can cover everybody but I remember um very vividly there was um, a man that was sitting on the sidewalk um and he was just weaving and I, I was so busy in that moment. Like, we were trying to get meals ready to go to the hotels. We were trying to do all these things. And I just remember, like, taking my gloves off and, like, sitting down next to him. And we ended up talking for, like, 20, 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. And, like, there was just this moment that I, I vividly can, like, mark a difference in ministry mm-hmm. for me before and after that interaction. Mm-hmm. Because it was kind of like, there is so much fear. There's so much trauma. There's so much anxiety in this moment stop making people a to-do list item Mm. and like make space for people and to hear Mm -hmm. people and to see people and I think that is a lesson that American Christianity desperately needs Mm -hmm. because um, I think we try to schedule everything within a box to maximize Mm -hmm. our effectiveness to maximize Mm -hmm. our achievement Mm -hmm. level to do the biggest and best things we can Mm -hmm. And sometimes the biggest and best things that we do that have a lasting legacy are what we pour into people. And Mm -hmm. sometimes one person for an entire day needs to be celebrated instead of seen as I only. Yeah. I just connected with one person. And the level of connection and growth, those 20, 30 minutes of sitting and listening with someone could accomplish versus the six months to a year that you've spent making five minute five minute yeah. connections 100%. um could build so much trust and then at the end of it you've you've gone so much further than you would have if yeah. you just like and then you can scapegoat because mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's the other piece of that is I can scapegoat my own level when someone's coming to me and saying we need to do more yeah. And I can scapegoat it and say, well, I'm doing all I can. When in reality, you're not putting your attention and motivation where it needs to be. Yeah. I also think just, I know we, we're getting close to, to wrapping up, but I think I also want to share that I think when we are intentional with our compassion, our connectedness, our, you know, seeing people not in a time restriction, I think that the value of that relationship it changes the dynamic, even if you're in a situation of like being a caretaker or, you know, or you're, you're, it's a, it's a part of your career or whatever it is. I think it changes the relationship where people feel valued, but they feel connected to another human. They're not connected to a doctor or a caseworker or pastor. They're connected to another human who genuinely cares about them. And the return of that is that when we are in a space where we need to prioritize ourselves, mm-hmm. there is a much higher likelihood that that other person is going to value that too. And like, mm-hmm. and I say that because I do recognize that when people are in crisis, when they're experienced unhealth, like there is a lot of things at play with that. Mm-hmm. And so not everybody's going to understand that. And that's typically where they are in, but you are more likely to have that experience. Cause I've had situations where I've had people that I've been in a caretaking role for who have reached out to me when they've known things are going on and just like we're worried about you we're thinking about you like you know I was told that your family's sick are they feeling better like Mm -hmm. can we do anything for you and it's like no I'm here to do something for you but Mm -hmm. they're like you know hey I I had some extra emergency (laughs) like I brought it for you because I love you I care about you and so I think that that would change the dynamic 
of relationships and it would change our perspective of like maybe the person I need to take care of in this moment is me mm. and I'm not going to feel it, you know we, we shift that in our brain enough it's no longer a guilt thing it's, it becomes something that we are very proud of ourselves I'm a person for. in this calculation not yes a... yes I matter <laughs> yeah yeah I think my closing thought would just be um, sometimes I think we listen to conversations like this and we feel like that toes stepping on or um, conviction level but like I would just also really challenge you to do some exploration of yourself because I think that there are like different derivatives of toxic achievement culture Um, one of them I think that we need to name um, as we close is loneliness I think if you find yourself really struggling with feeling really lonely and isolated Um, there's a really good chance that that's because you've really gotten sucked in to toxic Mm -hmm. achievement culture. Mm -hmm. Um, Because speaking from someone who has wrestled with that for a long, long time, um, I did not put a lot of emphasis on relationships. And like Holly was saying, like if people say, what do I need? I didn't have an answer. It was like, I'm good. I'm I'm doing all these things. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I know, you know, we see such high rates, especially coming out of the pandemic. Mm -hmm of people in ministry who are really struggling with loneliness and isolation and burnout. You know, we're seeing studies coming out talking about how loneliness and isolation is one of the biggest mental health and physical health issues um, that we're seeing in our country right now. And so um, I think there's a connection between those things and like, are we making space and time for people in depth? Like you talked about, Rue, not just quantity of people that we surround ourselves with. So. Um, I know we could go on and on and on about this topic, um, so I really want to invite you, if you're listening to Flip Table Theology, um, you're new to Flip Table Theology, you've been listening for a while, one of the best ways to engage in conversations with us and to keep conversations going is by joining our Flip Table Theology Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a private group, so what you post in there, it's kind of like Vegas, what you post in there stays in there. Um, and so. Um, it's a safe space for us to just kind of like we'll share the link to an episode and then kind of open the comments up for discussion and usually all of us that sit around the table engage in those as well Um, so as you're listening to this if you have thoughts if you're processing things if it raises questions for you or takeaways for you we want to hear from you so um, there's a link to that on our website at Mm fliptabletheology.com or you can just search for flip table theology community um, group on Facebook so we would love to connect with you and continue this incredibly convicting conversation so any last thoughts from the two of you I saw something on social media today and I'm just gonna read it um, because I just felt like it was, it was like early this morning and I was not and this is we did an early today and my seasonal body was not enjoying the early morning start so I saw this and just felt like this was really beautiful um, and it's a quote that says not every season is one for achieving Allow yourself seasons that are simply for breathing. Wow. Wow. (laughs) That's hard. Yeah. Um, I think the thing I'll I'll end on is um, you can't shame yourself into growth. Um, That can only happen if you're taking space and loving yourself well. So... Whoa, that'll convict the American church. Shame's like their favorite tool, Rue. Take that away. I know. And we'll talk about that on another podcast. (laughs) Or in our Facebook group. 
All right, guys, we'll be back next week. Um, so we look forward to another conversation around this table. I think we have a special guest joining us. So we'll have a few more voices in next week's conversation. Um, but as always, I enjoy digging into this stuff with y'all. And thanks for listening, everybody.